0: Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. I know, I, uh, how are you? <laughs> Listen, I know in a room this size, there are people that are wondering like, what the heck is going on right now? And I just want to say that there are times where the presence of God is so real that it demands a response. Like, the Lord is attracted, he is attracted to our adoration. You have to understand that. Like, he's looking for people, the Bible says, that would worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, the Bible says he is truth. Jesus is truth. And the spirit of God is here, and it's moving. And so our response to that should be nothing else than, God, I love you. Like, if, if, if the God of the universe, if Jesus has made his home in my heart and he's doing something, I want to feel. I'm not talking about sensationism or, or everything being on emotions. I'm just saying, if the God of this universe is inside of me, how many of you know, there, I, I've been at the movie theaters and I've been watching like an Avengers movie and something happens on the screen and I get goosebumps. I'm like, oh. Now, if that happens to me at a movie theater, it doesn't happen to me in church, I'm like, something's wrong with my heart. Because i want my heart to respond in such a way that anytime he's here my spirit yields to him what does that mean i stop and i recognize that he is in the room why is this important because when he is in the room anything is possible like anything is possible and so it's so simple this adoration and this this connection with god it's not a difficult thing are you alive it's not a difficult thing. And I feel like the Lord, he's, he's, he's training us on what it looks like to be people who truly minister to him. I told you this week, this church, is, it exists for one reason. And that is to lift up the name of Jesus. That he would be worshipped above all else. There's no other reason. You say, well, what about, what about sinners and what about this? I, I would say to you, if Jesus is not lifted up, we have nothing to give them. If he's not present, then we might as well go to the AMC and watch a movie. But when a group of people come together and they lift up the name of Jesus, something begins to to happen in our heart. And it's not condemnation and it's not shame. It's love. You say, well, what about repentance? The only thing that leads us to true repentance is love. It's the only thing that breaks the hardness of the heart. And so this cycle... I used to be this person. I used to mess up when I became a Christian, and I would think to myself, oh great, I listened to a sermon John sent me and it hit me, like I used to be that, it'd be three, I'm like well now for four days I can't feel the Lord. Like I messed up and now wow, I gotta wait till Monday to feel him again, he's gonna put me in like presence timeout, no presence for a week. And we laugh, but we act that way, right? Like the moment we mess up, instead of hearing the invitation, come, come, we're like, no, I don't belong. And I heard this morning, if I could say anything to you today, I'm like, I just heard the Lord saying, tell them I want them. Oh, some of you are like, I don't know what that means. But for some of you that have felt unwanted, you understand that when, when you hear those words, I want, you're like, how can you want me? and it all has to do with this that God doesn't see you the way you see yourself He just doesn't and I had this imagery come into my mind where this whole idea of the Bible calling us the bride and Christ being the bridegroom I remember the moment me and my wife got married 2010 nope, dang it there's only so many 2,000 and something, I'm gonna get it right one sermon. I remember when the wedding day was happening and I was standing at the front. My wife wanted, like, there was like one, one thing I, she wanted from me that day, that was for me to cry. Now, for those of you that know me, it's very, like, when I cry, it's like the Lord. And, like, I'm thinking to myself, she's walking down the aisle and, like, this is the driest my eyes have been my whole life. Like, it's too much pressure. But something happened as she was walking down the aisle there were hundreds of people there but the moment i saw her walk through the doors everyone else disappeared like all of the pressure of saying the right things what am i going to say my vows or what am i going to do like the moment she walked through the door no one else mattered and the devil would like to keep all of these things distracting you Well, what about this? And what about how you do that? And what about how you fall short here? But I have this picture of the people of God coming in. And if we are the bride, and we are dressed in white. And as we're approaching, hear me today, as we're approaching God, the throne, we see ourselves as dirty and blemished and disgusting and beat down and abused because life has done that to you. But there hits a certain point as we're approaching them where there's this curtain. And the moment you pass through that current, you have to know that you have been made white as snow. You say, well, what do I have to do? Nothing. The Bible says believe. And belief is a powerful thing. Some of you have found yourself in the places you are today because of a pattern of belief but what would happen today if you were be able to redirect that belief system into the reality that there is a God that loves you so much more than you could ever love yourself? That sees you, he accepts you. You say, well, all you preach is grace. Well, that's what he died for. I've never seen anybody be converted to loving Jesus by talking about the power of hell. But as he calls us in, some of you are like, "What? this is so confusing. No, it's easy. If you've ever been married or been to a wedding, you have to know that he's waiting for you with joyful anticipation for the moment, the moment, for the possibility that you would say yes to him. What Covington said today was so powerful. No matter how much I run, when I turn around, he's there. And this is the kingdom. Like, what is church about? What, why are we here? Listen, we've got to break this cycle. Church can't be you coming to church to get touched, to bring more people to church so that they can come to church. What is that? This cycle. Church is about us coming and pouring out. It's about creating passionate lovers of him. Because lovers could do more in five minutes than strivers do in a week. Some of you are tired. You're on this hamster wheel of religion. And God is saying, it's time to come off. I was with my son in the pool. And he was swimming and he's in this stage where he's like in between floaties. You know what I'm talking about? Like he can swim without him, but he's not going to make it very long. So we're in the pool and he's like, daddy, I want to swim. And so I, I allow him to swim, but I only allow him to go so far from me. Because I love him. And so no matter where he goes in the pool, I'm following him because he is my pursuit. So I let him go and I let him try. And he swims and he, and like, here's the truth. He doesn't go anywhere. He's just flailing. And he comes up out of the pool and he looks at me like, Daddy, did you see that? I'm like, that was amazing. Because he's my son. And in those moments, I love my son. But you know what? There are moments that are difficult. It's so like yesterday we had to drive to Orlando. It was 5 in the morning. When I left, like the sun was not up yet. I shouldn't have been up. Stephen knows. I'm driving in the car and Judas says, he keeps saying, first of all. But at five o'clock in the morning, that gets old. First of all. And, I, and like finally I look back and I'm like, bro, stop. No behavior like that till at least 8.30. thirty. And I'm looking at him in the rearview mirror because I want to see his response. I, I feel like this is the way the Lord treats us sometimes. He'll say something and he's like, I wonder how he's going to deal with that. So I'm watching him and he's like, I could see his frustration. <laughs> and he's sitting in his chair and he goes, Mmm, suck. Oh, <laughs> I almost pulled my sienna over. In the, you know when you look at him through the rearview, you're like, What did you just? But in those moments, I have to love Judah the same as I do in the pool. Because he's my son. And this is the beauty of the kingdom. I am convinced the reason people don't want to enter in, I'm not trying to sell you religion today, I'm not even trying to sell you a by church. What I'm saying to you today is there's something available to you that is so much greater than anything you could have ever possibly imagined. You're like, well, I've been in church my whole life. You probably need it more than anybody. Because here's what I know. The longer I am in church, the more hard my heart becomes. None of the Christian people I meant were talking about me. I'm super saved. And so I have to ask the Lord, Lord, would you do something in my heart that every time I I, I ask the Lord, now, God, help me to cry. Like, I want to feel, I want to feel what you feel. Such a dangerous prayer because you start to feel like, I feel like I'm always going to cry. Eric was talking yesterday, and as he was speaking, I felt like I wanted to cry. Because when he talks about loving the Lord with all of his heart, it does something to me because I long for that. And he was talking and he, things that I've said in my head, right? Lord, if I have to choose between having you or, and leaving the ministry and going to pack boxes in Walmart, I'll do it. And I'm like, yes, I would. Because he is everything. And so Jesus in the Bible, he's describing the kingdom of heaven. And I want to read to you a few verses that, that I feel are so pertinent for today. Can I have a few moments? Because I want to go back. You know at this church the purpose of the message is not for the message. It's just to get you back into worship. Okay. Bood gave me an amen. Jesus is talking, and there are lots of people listening, and he's talking about the true family of Jesus. And he begins to speak about the parable of the seed. How many of you have ever been in a place, and you've heard something said about the Lord, but you have no idea what it means? good it's not just me there are things in the kingdom or things even when you come to church that they the bible calls them the mysteries of god and here's the truth some of those things can only be accessed through hunger for instance there are two people in the same room they hear the same thing they've been through the same schooling one is hungry for the lord and one is like i'm just here one person will receive and the other person won't because the seed what the 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 parable of the soil the soil is the heart so the posture of my heart has everything to do with what I received from the Lord that day. That's why every day we pray, God, soften the hearts of the people, because it doesn't matter what seed is thrown, if your heart is not ready to receive, the Bible says that it lands by the wayside. What is the wayside? It is beside the way. What is the way? Jesus is the way. Anything that falls outside of you fixing your attention on him is, is in danger of being trampled and snuffed out. And so Jesus is talking and the disciples say to him, why do you always speak in parables? I feel like they're like, why don't you just make it easy, bro, and say what it is. And Jesus says this to him. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom, but others are not. So it's like, okay, well, who who can understand them? And Jesus goes on and says, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. And they will have abundance. Say abundance. They will have abundance of knowledge. But those who are not listening, even what little they have will be taken away from them. And so Jesus goes on, and then he says to them in verse 16, he's describing a a prophecy given in Isaiah that he is the fulfillment of. And then he said, but blessed are you. Blessed are your eyes because you see, and your ears because you hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets have longed, and I would say to you today, there are many people that have longed to be in what you are in right now. The greatest danger in what is happening in a by Church right now is that we would take for granted the way the presence of God comes. That we would fail to see that when, because he has given our church a grace, not just our church, many churches, he has given a grace that we would say, oh, this is just normal, it's not common. What does that mean for us? It means that we steward, like Melissa said, is so good that we would simply say yes to him every single time we come into his presence. God, I say yes. God, I say yes. What does that mean? That that means you are stewarding what has been given to you. And the Bible says when you steward what has been given to you, you will be given more. Well, I just want more of God. I would say to you, what have you done with what's been given to you? And so Jesus goes on and he begins to describe the kingdom. And one of the, one of the verses he uses, I want to read and, and just kind of like, this is the center point for today. Jesus says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. And he goes on and he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking out for choice pearls, rare pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he had and he owned it and he bought it. What is Jesus saying? This kingdom, this presence, this invitation to more. When you truly encounter it, you realize everything else I have is worthless. Here's what the devil would have you do. He would make it look like it would be really, why would I give all of this up? I would challenge you today, it's not about what you are giving up. What you have to look at and what you have to look for is everything you are about to gain. A life where you no longer have to strive, where you no longer have to work, work. Listen, I know we have to work, but I'm just, I'm beckoning you today. Will you work out of love? Will you be motivated from a place where, where you do what you do because you don't want to hurt his heart? You understand there are two different things. Some people serve the Lord for fear of hell. Some people serve him because they don't want to hurt his heart. There are two different things. And so last week we talked about how the sinful woman came into the house of Simon and how God is building up an emerging church where we would be fixed on the eyes of Jesus and in a place in a world where everybody's looking for the highest place on the table. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody's looking to go higher and to be esteemed and to be seen. I'm looking for a company of people that would go low and they would say, How can I serve and how can I love? What can I do to experience Him in a new way? And when you give your life in this way, He gives you everything. He gives you everything. I never wanted to build a church. Like, the goal of this was never to build a big church. And I'm thankful that all of you guys are here. But, like, the goal of my life is to help people fall in love with him and see it's not as hard as the devil's trying to make it. It's not. I'm not telling you you have to do, 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 do. That's just a bunch of do-do. I'm just saying to you, when you fix your eyes on him, The Bible says he is the author and the finisher of my faith. That means he starts it and he finishes it. Like, well, then what's my job? My job is to keep my eyes fixed on him. And when he says go, I go. And when he says stop, I stop. And when he doesn't go, I don't go. This is the Christian life, a yielded life of love. You say, well, there has to be more than that. No, there doesn't. Anything outside of that becomes religion and you begin to institutionalize love and when you institutionalize love, it dies. It dies. A company of people, a group of people that they would stop being so impressed with themselves. Eric said yesterday, there are so many people that are so impressed with themselves that how wonderful they are that they miss his beauty. I'm like, oh. I'm not saying you have to think of yourself low. I'm just asking you, when you see yourself through his eyes, everything changes. And what here's the biggest thing that changes. You get to a place in your life where you start to see that you are worthy of entering into his throne. You are worthy of being in his presence. You are worthy of accepting his love. And he begins to change your heart. And he begins to the little things like Gio you don't have to do that anymore and you don't have to think that way and you don't have to you don't have to strive like I want to be with you more than you want to be with me so so don't don't think of the Christian life as striving for connection but realize I start I start from connection the Bible says this Jesus is your high priest John sent me this sermon that just it just wrecked Jesus is your high priest, meaning in the Old Testament, when you had to be made right with God, there was a priest that would perform a sacrifice on your behalf. And you would bring your best, and they would perform the sacrifice. It was this long ritual thing. And when they were done, then you would be made right, and you were able to stand into the presence. You were were able to be in communion with God again. And what you have to realize today, for every single person in the room, Jesus is your high priest, and the sacrifice has already been paid. There is nothing more to do than say, Yes, I surrender my will and I step in. You no longer have to live under shame. You no longer have to think of yourself as worthless. But you can realize that He has given you a treasure. He has given you a treasure, and that treasure is Himself. It's him. Like, man, won't you change the subject? There is nothing else to talk about. There's nothing else. The Bible says that Jesus, he's inexhaustible. Meaning, we could talk about him every Sunday for the next 25 years and we still would not scratch the surface of who he is. And here's what I know. I, in my spirit, I'm seeing it as the leader, pastor of this church. God does not want you to continue to live Christianity with floaties on. He doesn't. Like, He's ready for you to engage Him. Like, what, do you, what is a floaty? I'm telling you that it would be very easy for this church to become your floaty. It would be really easy for a pastor or a certain worship team to become the thing that sustains your Christian life. But God wants to be the only thing, the one thing that sustains you, gives you life, fulfills you, satisfies you. And here's what he's doing. If you haven't heard anything else, here's what he's doing. He is freeing us from every lesser lover. He's delivering us from that. There are places that you've been searching for love and affirmation. He is delivering you from every lesser lover that is not him. Look in my eyes. I believe it. So here's what I want to do today. I want to invite you. Last week we gave you imagery of, of what it looks like. And I'm not saying there's a... There's no formula, right? There's no formula. What I'm saying to you is that there has to be some sort of response. Physical re, physical response releases spiritual release. Like when you respond, God reacts. So I want everybody to stand I want to tell you one more quick story while your blood's flowing. When I was in high school, I used to live in Orlando and there was you know, you want to be you want to be thug life in Orlando. Part of the thug life apparel is a Jordan shirt. So I had this favorite Jordan shirt. It was white. And you know, when when you have something you 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 love, you take care of it. Well, I was eating lunch one day, and as I was eating lunch, I used to eat the same thing almost every day, pizza and some hot fries. That's how I got this physique. Thank you, boo. So I was eating my pizza, and, and as I was eating pizza, pizza salsa came on my shirt. You would have thought I, I, my, life, my life was over. This is my, my Jordan shirt. So what did I do? I went to the bathroom, and I began to scrub. And the more I scrubbed, the worse it got. It's like, I'm, I, just this hopelessness, right? And so, like, I'm, all day I'm frustrated about my life. My life. Oh. I can't fix it. Look at this. Everybody sees it. It's a mess. I know I'm a mess. They know I'm a mess. Everything's messed up. I get home. Get home. No, my mom. Get in the car. I'm salty. You know what salty is? I'm mad. <laughs> salty. What's wrong? Messed up my shirt. What's What's the big deal? My shirt's ruined. Take it easy. She goes. Give me the shirt. I give her the shirt, and i kind of like, whatever. Like, in my mind, I'm like, it's, the shirt's done. A couple hours later, she comes back, and she brings the shirt. The shirt looks like it's brand new. There's no reason to fuss. And I would say to you today, some of you have been trying to scrub your life, man. Working and working and oh, scrubbing. If I could only look and worship and give, and oh, scrubbing. And I would say to you today, like, why don't you just hand the t-shirt over to God? Like, I don't know what else to do with this, but if there's any chance of salvaging this mess I made, it's going to be you. So today it's very simple. I just want to invite you to step out of your seat and to come sit at the feet of Jesus and to just be with him. For some of you, this is going to be awkward. You're like, but I just want to say to you, being in God's presence is never a waste of time. Never a waste of time. It goes beyond what you feel. There's something that happens when you say, and for these next few moments, God can do a lot with a few moments. For these next few moments, I'm just going to be with you. If you want to speak, speak. Here's what I'm going to say to you. Don't say anything. Some of you don't hear the Lord because you're too busy talking. Have you ever talked to somebody who you're talking with them and you know they're getting ready, like they're preparing what they're about to say? Very annoying. Don't be that guy. So just come and be with him and just sit. And I I believe he'll begin to speak to you. And he'll begin to deposit things in your heart the way he did to Melissa. He's waiting for you at an altar and he's just saying, come. That's the only thing he says. Come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, all of you who feel that weight that Cove was talking about, all he's saying to you today is come and he'll do the rest. So very simple right now. You can just step out of your seat wherever you got to go. There's room in the back. There's room in the front. But somebody be brave and be the first one to step out. Thank you. It always takes a couple. And we're just going to worship. Yeah. Jesus.